Hi, I'm Mark Scott, Secretary of the New South Wales Department of Education, and welcome to Every Student, the podcast where I get to introduce you to some of our great leaders in education. Today, I'm in conversation with Yasaday Selva Kumaran, one of our most exciting young educators. She's a humanities teacher at Rudy Hill High School in Western Sydney and has been named as one of the world's top 10 teachers in the Global Teacher Prize. Yasaday joined me as she was preparing to head to the Global Education and Skills Forum in Dubai, where the winner would be announced. So we're going to talk about being recognised as the top 10 teacher uh, in the world and talk about that process, Yasa. But, but before we do that, just tell me how you got into teaching. I got into teaching uh, towards the end of my high school career, actually, when I was tossing up various professions of what I thought I might go into. I was interested in everything from law uh, to history to economics and Asian studies. And I actually really wanted to pursue teaching when I realised that the impact that my high school teachers had on me, especially in the, the upper years of high school, was really significant in building my confidence and my character and, and just pushing me further than I thought I could go. And so I went to an open day with with my mum halfway through, came to Sydney Uni and uh, really was drawn to the double degree at Sydney University to do arts and education as a five-year combined program. And uh, when I uh, got into that, that's I was like, that's, that's my degree. <laughs> I'm going there. Was there a sense of parental expectation of things other than uh, education? You had educators in the family, right? I did. Uh, not from my parents. My parents were thrilled that I was going to go into teaching. Uh, my mother's parents were teachers in Sri Lanka, uh, but they actually, you know, uh, encouraged me to look at anything that I was interested in. And, and because I'd taken three units of English, three units of history um, at school, uh, and really had a focus on humanities in my HSC, uh, it wasn't any surprise to my parents that I told them I was going to go into humanities teaching. And then tell us about the progress of your teaching uh, career once you graduated from Sydney. So I graduated from Sydney at the end of 2010 and I was offered initially a temporary one-year contract at Rudy Hill High School, replacing uh, one of my mentor teachers that I had been on prac with. Um, And so that had turned into another contract uh, later down the year in terms of another year uh, and eventually led to a permanent position. So I've been at Rudy Hill High School since. Yeah. And, and uh, tell us a bit, if we go to Rudy Hill High School, it's one of our more famous high schools here in New South Wales. It is. <laughs> Just describe to us what Rudy Hill is like. Rudy Hill, I got the culture of Rudy Hill even when I walked in there as a prac student for four weeks in 2009. And I could see that there was really strong leadership, a focus on professional learning and a real sense of belonging and that we were all in this together to do the best for our students. And so I did not hesitate when I got offered um, the temporary contract. I actually returned as an intern in 2010 and my head teacher at the time uh, just pulled me aside and said, you know, have you thought about whether or not you'd want to do this position? And I was just stoked to even be asked and I didn't look anywhere else. I took that position when I graduated. And uh, tell me about the principal there. Uh, the principal is Miss Christine Causey, um, and she is a fantastic leader, mentor, um, and innovator. And I've had many opportunities to work really closely with her and uh, with various leadership teams as well in the school. And I think what um, makes Chris unique is that she, even from the start of um, when people start there, like as a, as a new teacher, there is a sense that you can contribute as a leader from the very, very moment that you walk in. Mm. And, you know, we're very much uh, in, the, in the first year where we were mentored really, really closely. And then from the second year onwards, every teacher is encouraged to take on a leadership role uh, in a cross-faculty team or an extracurricular role, whatever that might be. And like, there's this idea that it's expertise 
not experience. So the idea that it's not necessarily um, a teacher that's been teaching for so many years that's an expert, but it's the idea that expertise can be developed um, with with a strong focus on on where that teacher would want to go and where their skills and their strengths are. And if it wasn't for me starting at that school, I don't think I would be where I am now. Yeah, because it's a a pretty unusual career progression, isn't it? I mean, I was startled to hear, you know, what year you finished university in because you've been teaching for less than a decade. Yes. Right. And, and in Chris Causey, you've got one of our most experienced principals, uh, but she's clearly created an environment where it's kind of a meritocracy in a way in, in that she's really encouraging people, notwithstanding in the sense their lack of experience, to take on to take on big new challenges. Absolutely. And um, Christine has talked about this in terms of some of the challenges, uh, even when I started at Rudy Hill High School, is that there was uh, a large amount of beginning teachers that were starting every year. And so as the leadership in the school, they, they looked at, well, how is it that we can prepare our teachers uh, to, to develop expertise quickly because mm. because they were needed in leadership roles and, and there needed to be that sense of um achievement and confidence for teachers to be able to develop their expertise in the classroom uh, and also then be able to contribute at whole school level as well. So tell me about the collaborative culture that exists amongst teachers at Rudy Hill. The collaborative culture is uh, not just confined to I guess a faculty context. One of the structures that make it so successful is that there, in the time that I've been there um, I've, there's always been cross-faculty professional learning teams um, which means that every teacher has an opportunity to contribute to to something broader and also link their personal goals to that as well. So uh, last year, we actually uh, developed that professional learning team idea even further and the school executive, um, they renamed it professional learning and leadership teams. So really, it was about an opportunity not just to learn in a cross-faculty context, but to lead. And every single professional learning and leadership team uh, since the start of last year has been linked to a component of our 2018 to 2020 school plan. Uh, And I'm co-leading one section of that on subject and signature-based pedagogies. Yeah, so tell us a bit more about subject-based learning. So subject-based learning, um, I guess... I'm actually not sure if that's the right term um, or in terms of how people might view Mm. it um, outside the school, but we're looking at basically how do we develop disciplinary expertise at an ongoing level for teachers in year 10, 11 and 12 to ultimately improve student results. So there's an idea that I guess there's a lot of schools taking different approaches, but we are really looking at how can we embed dispositions um, and looking at new ways of knowing, doing and being through a subject lens. So um, to what extent does that mean you're really focused in thinking through what the workforce requirements are going to be like or what students are going to be expected to do once they've left school and finished school? Uh, it's actually a bit of both. So the lens that we, uh, the original reading that we have looked at is the work of Professor Lee Shulman, um, who writes about signature pedagogies in the professions and how there's particular ways of educating for the professions and also how knowledge um I guess is decided and agreed upon. So the idea of what is it uh, that counts as knowledge in a field will change over time. So Shulman talks about um, how we need to educate equally for intellectual or knowledge components or ways of knowing, uh, technical components or ways of doing and skills and moral components and ways of being. And that idea that it is about ultimately thinking about what we want our students to be. And at Rudy Hill, we talk about what do we want to see in an educated 19 year old? And that links in with our work with Professor Bill Lucas as well uh, and working backwards from that. So um, yeah, there's a big curriculum review taking place in New South Wales yes. at the moment. And I think there can almost be a false dichotomy that can exist between 
you know, knowledge-based subjects and the general capabilities as well. So un- with the approach that you've got, I mean, you talk at Rudy Hill about dispositions. We do. You know, so, so explain that to us. What's that mean? So at Rudy Hill, we're actually talking about dispositions being, I guess, what we want our students to ultimately be. And we're using that language deliberately with Year 10, 11 and 12. And we're using the language of capabilities for Year 7, 8 and 9. Um, sometimes these terms are used interchangeably. Um, and, you know, I guess other people might call them soft skills or uh, 21st century skills, even though we're uh, almost... Uh, fifth, fifth of the way through. Yeah, fifth yep. of the way through, which yep. um, I always find interesting that it's still popping up here and there. But ultimately, um, it's about, I guess trying to embed uh, really the, the, the things that we want students to be able to leave with that sometimes I guess um, the challenge for teachers is how do they do both in terms of developing disciplinary expertise or you know the subject content and especially in the senior school sometimes you know teachers are really worried about educating for, for the high stakes HSE at the end uh, but how is it that we can embed new forms of assessment uh, and really engage students in new ways to be able to push their thinking further and improve student results. One of the interesting things I think about this uh, curriculum debate, and certainly uh, with innovative school leaders and teachers, principals that I've spoken to, is that there's a um, there's a desire for curriculum reform and a belief that you know perhaps we haven't got the curriculum structured in the right way. But at the same time, um, they can find deep ways of innovating within the existing framework. Absolutely. And that's the approach I guess we've been taking um, at Rudy Hill High School. And even the work in subject-based learning and dispositions, it's built upon even the previous school plan where we had a strong focus on the capabilities and uh, embedding a capabilities-driven curriculum. So it's important to note that, that we didn't start here. We've built upon this work from previous years um, and a lot of professional learning initially around what even the capabilities were, uh, what critical and creative thinking looked like, and being able to take teachers with us um, as part of that too. Initially when we, we started talking about creativity with teachers, they did not think they were creative. And it's been our work with Professor Bill Lucas that's really helped us uh, provide a framework for that. Uh, some people may be familiar with the Rudy Hill High School Creativity Wheel that's drawn upon Bill Lucas's work, and it's been featured in one of his books with uh, Ellen Spencer. And it's looking at creativity through the lens of, um, I guess, five, five domains, including uh, being inquisitive, being imaginative, being collaborative, persistent, and disciplined. And using that language uh, to be able to then link it to uh, ways that teachers can be uh, creative by linking it to visible thinking routines from Harvard. Um, and it's like a framework and it's a, it's a whole school learning platform that teachers can refer to and students as well uh, are familiar with because it's actually hanging in every classroom. And, and does this mean when we say look at the HSC, which still is pretty strongly knowledge-based in some respects, certainly yes. around the examination uh, elements of the HSC, that you still find that you can have this approach that you've developed at the school without sacrificing students' potential at the HSC. I mean, your argument is that they actually still do better in that very traditional HSC framework, having taken the approach that you're taking at the school. Well, yeah, it's, I guess it's really about developing students' thinking skills and the mm. idea, um, and there's uh, research in, in like other contexts as well that say that if we can teach students how to think and respond, um, that they will do better. But uh, we've actually measured our results in terms of Year 10 science um, and valid with the focus on the capabilities and um, in terms of yeah like looking at HSE results as well in various faculties yeah there's been some significant success uh, in particular teams that have been like trialing these approaches uh, but it is important to note as well that Rudy Hill High School one of the challenges we have is 80% of our students start below grade average 
in year seven. So that's why we really look at um, year 10 and um, looking at valid as that's considered to, to be able to assess more broadly in terms of dispositions um, and the progress that is made by students in, in that time that they're with us is really, really celebrated. Do you, do you, um, when, you when you think about you know, what you're presented with in year seven, um, do you think about that transition from six to seven and, and at times think that we don't take advantage of the opportunities we have in public education that we actually run the primary schools they come from? I mean, what kind of connections do you have back with the primary schools? Uh, we actually have um, like a connected uh, co- program with our primary schools and that includes um, students coming in for various like lessons and demonstrations and uh, students working uh, like Last week we had a visit with uh, Year 6 students coming into the school, but also we have a program called Kindy Comes to High School. Um, But yeah, I do definitely think that there is uh, more that we can do to bridge uh, partnerships between feeder schools um, and high schools. So even though, yeah, we've got that program going, I guess sometimes as high school teachers, um, you know, we we don't quite realise exactly what students have done in in their primary settings and and how to be able to to build on from that. Yeah, I think think that's right. I mean... um you know, I, I sometimes think that when when a when a young student is in year six, they're kind of like king and queen of it all. Yeah. I mean, they're in great leadership positions. They're running assemblies. They have great leadership um, thrust upon them, and they kind of relish that role. And and then I sometimes feel we make them children again at year seven. We put them right at the the bottom of the the pecking order, and they have to take a long time to rise their way through the school. And I kind of sometimes wonder if we underestimate what kids can do. We do actually um, with year seven. We have an ambassador program, so Mm. students um, you know will will have to apply and have ambassador training, and then they're used at various school events. Mm. Um, And even you know it's year seven's responsibility to to be the office runners, and you know that's something that they love. Um, But yeah, there are deliberate. leadership opportunities that are created for Year 7 for them to, to feel like they're contributing as well as part of a, a large comprehensive high school. Mm. I want to go back to what we were talking about earlier about um, Chris Causey and, and the the work that she's done at the school to really recognise young talent coming through, recognising she's got a lot of young teachers. Um, you know, it, it is an atypical experience, I think, and, you know, this is a big bureaucracy and there would be many people who in their careers would be 10 years in and they'd just be beginning to think about the leadership opportunities. You've had a lot of leadership put on you um, I, I have. On. Um, I guess I wouldn't say it's been put on me. It's a, it's a choice that I've taken yeah. um, in terms of things. And, you know, it started off even in my first couple of years uh, as being a staff representative on school council, uh, taking on a role as Aboriginal Education Coordinator in my third year, uh, joining our mentor team in my third year. Uh, but I did actually, I guess, in my fourth year, I had an opportunity to relieve as relieving head teacher, teaching and learning in a mentor position. And yeah, that too was, be- I guess, because I had those opportunities to, to be able to work with staff and lead at various levels. Um, and I think it's not just the beginning teachers or early career teachers. There is a belief at Rudy Hill High School that all teachers and head teachers and, and, even, and the SAS staff as well have, have deep professional learning uh, to be able to continually reflect and see where we can, we can do better in teams and as individuals. Yeah, and, and invariably you'd, you'd think that you might find resistance, particularly when you're trying to lead those who are that much more experienced than you they've, they've spent a lot of more time in front of the class you know that how do you how do you deal with people who think that you're young idealistic <laughs> uh but you're, you're not seasoned with experience the way that they are because that that's quite a common experience i would think in schools 
it's actually not something that I've really experienced at Rudy Hill High School because of the the culture that exists um, for people to lead and to take opportunities and the idea that it is expertise, uh, not necessarily experience, um, which is embedded. Um, So yeah, I think it it does depend on the school culture. And when people are um, given that opportunity to to lead and everyone's given that opportunity, I think it equalises that. And that, that comes from the way for us, that, we, that we've had those opportunities presented to us. Tell me how you balance um, almost the intrinsic rewards that come with different elements of your job. I mean, part of mm. your leadership role at the school now is working with other staff members and yes. working in a leadership position. And part of the challenge of that is helping them be the best that they can be in front of the class. But you still teach yourself and engage with students Absolutely. yourself. Um, you know, tell me what you get out of both of those experiences. I think, um, well, we'll start with actually like my classes and my students. That they are, I guess, the passion and they're, they're the huge reason of why I initially, you know, went into the classroom. Uh, but the more that I've been uh, given opportunities to lead, equally, I'm passionate in working with, with staff because ultimately if we can improve other people's practice, we're making more of an impact on students. So I think for me, um, it's actually my students that I make other decisions around. So it does mean saying no to certain things that might come our way because I need to be on class and need to manage that time around my students. But working with teachers, uh, for example, even last Thursday, I got asked to present on critical and creative thinking to our induction group. We've got a large beginning teacher cohort this year. And uh, I, I had turned up after teaching for most of the day and I actually asked you know just for a breather because I was also responding to multiple media requests Uh, and I I delivered the session and then the day after I had a teacher email me uh, saying because of your session this is how I'm thinking about creativity differently Mm -hmm. and I've come up with you know these four things that I'm going to try and that just made my day on Friday it absolutely and I I was worried that you know because I'd I'd had so much other things going on that I didn't quite deliver the session as as well as I could have Um, but yeah and I thought okay oh that's that's brilliant this is the first year teacher who has actually taken on those ideas and there's a lot of questions and that's that's just absolutely um, like what we're trying to do and so I think when you're working with teachers it's it's really rewarding for me to be able to hear that I've made an impact on the way that someone is thinking because it's ultimately shifting um, thinking around certain um, areas or things that we're trying to do in a school that ultimately brings all of us uh, on that journey and, and to be able to make an impact overall. Um, you, you won the Commonwealth Bank Teachers Prize, one of yes. 10 uh, educational leaders. One of 12. Co- one of 12, sorry. Um, but interestingly to me, I think when I was there at the ceremony, very few of them were, weren't principals. I mean, in, yes. in the main. There, there was three that weren't last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So um, what does that prize entail? So that prize last year, I think, definitely gave me a lot of other opportunities um, that have led to the Global Teaching Prize as well. But that prize came with a $45,000 fellowship that included $30,000 for the school, $10,000 for each individual teacher or principal, uh, and $5,000 that went towards a study tour to an overseas education system. And for us, that was Singapore. Uh, And that... That experience to be able to go and learn with another 11 educators from across Australia in different contexts has given me another network. Um, and I was initially really, really nervous when I found out I was one of three teachers and mm. turns out I was the youngest teacher just mm. by a little bit. Um, but, but in this network, we we're all equal and I've had the most amazing professional experience um, and now personal connections as well. Uh, and what did with, you learn from educators. Singapore when you were there? In Singapore, what has really stuck with me is that they have... 
uh, deliberate career pathways that enable teachers to work in research and practice and move between roles in their Ministry of Education uh, and work in curriculum and policy. And for those teachers that want to stay in the classroom, they're supported to become mentor teachers and then they are encouraged to work in groups of schools and share that expertise. And I just came back with the conviction that I really wanted to be part of trying to, to help bridge research and practice. And with the opportunity I got given by the Commonwealth Bank Teaching Awards, given with Schools Plus, um, I used part of my $10,000 grant to do a postgraduate subject at Deakin part-time last year, my first one uh, on research methods. Uh, and um, that came about because I was also seeking out academic partners to potentially support our work uh, at a school level in looking at subject-based pedagogies. And I, I contacted Dr. Linda Hobbs about, about working with us, and she's actually going to be coming out to work with us later this year. And she suggested, you know, why don't you actually do this research as well yourself? And um, I think I just needed someone really to to suggest that to me at that point and I got a lot out of it even in terms of um, understanding I guess the use of data and how to work uh, within different subject domains and using that research to help inform how I led and co-lead this project even now and so yeah depending on what else comes about with the with the global teacher prize um, I am actually currently enrolled to to continue um, on that um, on that journey but in Singapore I realized that teachers you know were doing postgraduate study they were then publishing papers and um, then going back into the classroom and, and all of that adds to the literature that Singapore is a high performing system and yeah I think that you know if there's teachers also contributing to, to teacher education and I've had a strong passion for working with pre-service teachers um, even since since I've started as a teacher I've been a practicum coordinator at Rudy Hill for four years uh, and then I've mentored quite a number of pre-service teachers myself and contribute to different networks because I find that we're, we always learn and even the pra- I've got a, a student at the moment um, that I'm co-supervising and that's that's part of the joy of working with teachers and in classes as well because you're exposed to new ideas uh, and an opportunity to collaborate within your classroom at a very direct level. Yeah, I mean, I mean one of the things that comes out of Singapore and I suppose we often talk about is how valid are the dual career pathways if you really just want to be an expert teacher, you know, wonderful research base versus going in there into school leadership and eventually leading a school being a principal or sometimes leaving schools altogether and joining the department in support roles. Um, as you think about this and you think about your career, which is really only just beginning despite all yes. you've achieved, um, do, do you think about this? Do you, do you think about whether there are career paths for you outside say becoming a principal and running a school or running groups of schools how do you where do you where do your ambitions lie do you think I guess um I am quite open at this stage to to various things but right now I think um if I reflect on how I've gotten to this point and to be considered a top 10 finalist in the global teacher prize especially it's because the opportunities I've had to lead um have because have been because of the work that I've done in my classroom, which I've then be able to like collaborate and share and reflect with colleagues and work on various projects to be able to share that work. So I do believe that there is a really strong place for teachers to lead from the classroom. And that's something that needs to be encouraged, um, I think, more broadly. And sometimes I think people think that they, they, they can't lead unless they're in a formal position, like a head teacher, or even if they're going, say, for the higher standards. And um, that's one of my current goals at the moment as well, is to is to seek accreditation at lead level. Mm-hmm. Initially, uh, I was part of the department's um, leadership development initiative to go for highly accomplished. And then uh, I got I was told to consider lead yeah. in terms of the projects sure. I was leading. Um, and so I think, yeah, that too is... is is a, is a pathway, um, not necessarily, I guess, 
in terms of an endpoint, but something that I see as being really valuable professionally in order to be able to reflect on my practice, but also in working with the standards. Rudy Hill uh, really encourages uh, teachers to be able to work um, beyond proficient and, you know, lead at highly accomplished and set their goals for their PDP at that if they're actually leading and working with colleagues. And, yeah, I think that the standards provide a fantastic reference point um, for, for all of us to be able to, to, to lead and, and reflect on the work that we do. And just... Um Tell me what uh, it was like dealing with the reaction to being nominated in the top 10 for that Global Teachers Prize. Oh, um, it was uh, overwhelming, but really exciting as well on the actual day. Um, so I was teaching Year 7, uh, my support class actually, and I knew the announcement was being made. Um, and then, yeah, I, like I didn't know who was going to be saying the announcement. And when I realised it was Hugh Jackman, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I didn't actually get a chance to watch it until we'd notified. Um, we called the morning tea with our staff and I got to share that news. And, uh, yeah, I, at that point, I just I just thanked all of the staff because I said, I hope that you see that this this recognition is not just my achievement. Um, everything I've done is with other people. And I think that's the nature of a lot of work in schools. Uh, we do it in teams and it reflects uh, the opportunities as well, especially from leadership to, to have been given the opportunities to, to do things and to work outside my own school community. Um, that's on, ultimately been recognised. And, and that's thanks ultimately to my principal, Christine Causey. Well, um, she's an amazing principal, but you're a remarkable teacher <laughs> and you're having a remarkable start to to uh, your career with us here in the Department of Education. Uh, thanks for your commitment. Thanks for all you're doing. And, and thanks for the way you're, you're sharing your insight and your expertise, not just uh, with your school, but with the broader educational community here in Australia and now around the world. Yazo, thanks very much for your time with us today. And thank you for listening to this episode of Every Student. Never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice or by heading to our website at education.nsw.gov.au slash every hyphen student hyphen podcast. Or if you know someone who is a remarkable innovative educator that we could all learn from, you can get in touch with us via Twitter at New South Wales Education, on Facebook, or email everystudentpodcast at det.nsw.edu.au. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.